So good to be with you guys. How you doing? That was great, wasn't it? No more gloom. I like that. Can you say that? No more gloom. How many are gloomy a little bit today? Yeah, that rain. It sucks. I just... Ooh, it's just been crazy. Crazy rain, crazy COVID. We don't want to talk about that. That's boring. So it's so good to be with you guys, and I wanted to wish you a happy Thanksgiving. Happy Thanksgiving. Did you have a thankful Thanksgiving? Yeah, thankful? Okay, cool. That's good. The Lord notices when we give thanks. Remember that Samaritan who came back and gave him thanks? And then nine guys didn't. Sometimes I wonder what God notices about me. Am I thankful or not, you know? But anyway, also Merry Christmas. This is the first day of Christmas messages. Yeah. It's going to be a Christmas message called No More Gloom. And I kid you not, that's what it is. Okay, so turn to Isaiah, the book of Isaiah chapter 9. We're going to get some of Isaiah's viewpoint on Christmas together with John, the beloved's viewpoint, because they're really similar. And this one's called No More Gloom. It's in Isaiah 9. And I I hope it really strikes your heart like it has mine. But let's read Isaiah 9, 1 through 7. It says, nevertheless, and this was written in 720 B.C., okay? Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. As when at first he lightly esteemed the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali, and afterward more heavily oppressed her by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan in Galilee of the Gentiles. The people who walked in darkness have seen a great light. Those who dwelt in the land of the shadow of death, upon them a light has shined. You have multiplied the nation. You have increased its joy. And they rejoice before you according to the joy of harvest. As people rejoice when they divide the spoil, for you have broken the yoke of his burden. And the staff of his shoulder, the rod of his oppressor, as in the day of Midian. For every warrior's sandal from the noisy battle and garments rolled in blood will be used for burning and fuel for warming at the fire. For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called. Wonderful. Counselor. The mighty God. Father of eternity. Prince of peace. Of the increase of his government. And peace. There will be no end. Can you say amen to that? I'm looking forward to that government. Believe me. No end. Upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with justice and judgment. From that time on, even forever, 
the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. Isn't that a crazy prophecy? That is tremendous. Let's pray. Dear God, we want to understand this. Lord, thank you that you drive away gloom. (laughs) I love that description of you. You drive gloom away. And you bring joy. You said in the world, we will have tribulation. But you said, be of good cheer, for I've overcome it on your behalf. God, may that become so real in our minds and hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so there was this old TV show called Kids Say the Darndest Things. Anyone old enough to have seen one of those episodes? Or kind of, they probably still play them, but... Yeah, kids say the darndest things, and they do. And there was this this host called Art Linkletter, right? And he would have kids do various things on an episode of his show, and then he would interview them, and they would say the darndest things. Okay, so one time he says, okay, th- here's the here's the deal. I want you guys and gals, you you kids... I want you to draw whatever you want. Just draw whatever you want. And then we'll talk about it. So they're drawing and they're drawing these these things that they want to draw. And and Mr. Linkletter comes over to this little guy and says, Hey, young man, what are you drawing? And he says, I'm drawing a picture of God. And Mr. Linkletter says, Well, well, my man. Everyone knows no one knows what God looks like. And the little boy said, they will when I get done. So what is God like? What is he like? You know, there was so much confusion back in the 700s BC, really back to the fall and shortly beyond. Who God was became such a confusing thing because there were so many false ideas. Of who God is. So what is he like? God wanted people to know. He wants you to know. That's why John said. In the beginning was the word. To tell us. And the word was with God. The word. The logos. Who expresses the reality of God. And the word was God. So this one called the word was in fellowship with God in the beginning. And he was God, just like God the Father was God. And the word became flesh. This is John's version of the Christmas story. The word became flesh and he dwelt with us. And we beheld his glory as of the only begotten of the Father. Full of grace and truth. Oh God, give us some truth. There's so many ideas. Give us the truth. He did. He showed us the true God. Because no one had seen God or looked on him and knew what he looked like. But the only begotten God. You know that? John 1.18. It's a crazy verse. No one has seen God, 
at any time. But the only begotten God is the actual translation. The only begotten God. Some say the only begotten Son, which is absolutely the truth. But the best versions say the only begotten God, who's in the bosom of the Father, he has explained him. And that word explained is like a a Bible teacher would exegete a passage. And so Jesus, he was a full-length movie of who God is his entire life because he's God who became man. He incarnated God as a human. That's an amazing thing. Isaiah says the same thing. Unto us a child is born. Child is born. Isaiah had said, behold, the Lord will give you a sign. This is a crazy sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and his name will be called God with us. Isaiah seven fourteen. Emmanuel. Don't you love that name? There's so many names of Jesus. We have like six or seven right here in chapter nine. Explaining God. A child was born. The virgin. And in Matthew, when he quotes it, Matthew 123, it's it's the it's the word that means a woman who's never had sexual relations. Not just a young woman, but the translation of it and the understanding of it was a Never had relations because the presence of God, it says in Luke 1, 35, overwhelmed her. And in Matthew 1, it says the Holy Spirit caused that conception. So it's just amazing. This is the Messiah, the God-man, El Gibor, the mighty God. So we're learning what he's like. But you know, to show what he was like... God sent him, in particular, up into the region of Galilee, of the Gentiles. Now, this is interesting because Galilee was in the northern fringes of the nation of Israel. And Galilee means circle. And it's it's like this this big lake, if you've ever been there. How many have been there? It's really awesome. And it's encircled with pagan peoples. It always has been. It's on the fringes. You know when you're when you're kind of on the fringes of God's family, it's hard. It's hard to not stay in touch. That's why gathering is so important. I want to encourage those who haven't gotten back to gathering, actually there, we miss you. And we need you. It's not the same as watching TV and getting Captain Crunch in between. You know, it's it's not. When you gather, it's it's there. Now it's better than nothing. Believe me, I'm I'm not I'm not scolding anyone. I I just say we need you. That's what the Lord says. So here was a place up here in Galilee that was a mess. There were pagan peoples up there particularly in the tribe of Zebulun and Naphtali. Now, those two tribes, like, for example, Zebulun is where Nazareth was. Okay, ever been in Nazareth? Still a kind of a so-so place, like a ghetto kind of thing. All right? Nazareth, Zebulun. And then he he mentions um, 
Also, Naphtali. That's where Capernaum was. Now, in Nazareth, Jesus was raised. After he was born in Bethlehem, and then went down to Egypt, then they came up and he settled in Nazareth. That's where he was, he was raised. Like he went to Nazareth schools and, you know, stuff like that. He was a, he was a Nazarite. He was known as a Nazarene. Right? God sent them there. Gloomsville. Why? Because it was Sinsville. There were people from all these various nations and they had other gods. And, you know, you'd like to know that, well, the believers among the Jews, they led all the pagans to the Lord. But instead, the opposite happened. And that's why God actually allowed the Assyrians to come in to that region first. And Assyria was a world empire that was taking over everything right after Egypt and right before Babylon. The Assyrians, and they came down and they found easy pickings in the northern regions of Galilee because they were all worshiping the same God. They were worshiping. Even the Jewish believers were flirting with the Assyrian gods and the Phoenician gods that were very big up there. So in 720 BC, Isaiah is prophesying about the Assyrians coming in and wreaking havoc because of the compromise of the believers and the paganness of the non-believers. But then God said, I'm going to let the Messiah go to you first when he starts his ministry. It's crazy. That's where he started. Capernaum's right on the Sea of Galilee. If you've ever been there. That was his headquarters for his ministry for the first year. Amazing. And these were Gentiles. The word in Hebrew, goi or goyim, means heathen or pagan. Like I said, they were idolaters. Mostly non-believers, non-Jews. But there were also believing but compromising Jews. And it filled that place. And so it was filled with idolatry. Like what kind of idols you might ask? Here's, here's a couple of the idols. The Assyrian main idol, the, those people were there even before they conquered, was Ishtar. She was the goddess of love and war. The goddess of love and war. That was a biggie. Number one for the Assyrians. Very fierce. Very fiery. I mean, she was like aggression. She said, aggression is good, guys. And also, let's make love. Uh, These are big gods in America. Big ones. There was all kinds of stuff going on among the Assyrians. Sexual things, permissiveness, just, oh, it was sad. Now, another god was the main god of the Phoenicians, which was Melkart. Hmm. Well, what is Melkart? God of darkness, destruction, and death. A lot like our movies. <laughs> Not the ones you guys watch, of course. You're only watching Jane Austen. We know that. No, but a lot of people are watching the death and destruction movies among all the zombies and all the other people, non-zombie people. 
But these believed in using dark reasoning, psychological strategies to deceive and get people to be controlled and then enslaved to do the bidding of the people that followed that God, Melkart. Now there's another God and you're not going to believe this, but seriously, the second, one of the greatest gods of the Assyrians was called Abracadabra. Yep. Abracadabra. You know what that name means? Abracadabra is an Aramaic name for created by my words. In other words, my, my words, I speak them out and they create. Oh my. It was about manipulative magic and charm. The power of creating reality just by your persuasive words. Think of that. That's huge right now. Just stuff that's coming out, just words. Oh yeah, that's real and it's freaking me out now, you know? Well, they want you freaked out. I'm not going to get all weird about this. I'm just telling you. It creates division. It creates anger, bitterness, um, controlling, manipulation, deceptives, deceptions, lies. Just basically, again, trying to take what's real. Trying to steal away what's real. The thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that we might have life. And that more abundantly. So what was the result? Well, the gloom. And the Hebrew word is muaf. It means heart being heartbreakingly sad. Being super sad. It was literally dark mournfulness. I'm sad for our country. It's sad right now. And it's sad. The darkness in many countries is just increasing. But God sent the Messiah to dispel the gloom and to bring the joy and the new life and no more lies. But the truth and the beauty and the unity. There's no unity that has saving power except being united with Jesus. And united with others through Jesus. This is the kingdom. That's the kingdom that we were looking for. I'm not saying we shouldn't seek, you know, well-being and goodwill. Absolutely. We should seek that. But light and darkness dispel, you know. Light dispels darkness. It kicks it out of there. And listen, God looked down from heaven. And his heart went out to those people who were in darkness. Think of that. He sent them right. He sent his son right into the darkest area. What do you think this fringe area from 750 BC and the Assyrians then taking over and on down to the coming of Jesus was like? It was, a, it was people just serving self. That's a, that's a real problem. Basically, false gods are just, you know, something that self wants to do. And self's the main god. But I just call him abracadabra or whatever else. It's not a real thing. They're, they're false. They're not real gods. But they love to deceive. So what did God do? It says not only was the child Jesus born, but a son was given. Now, 
that expression, a son was given, doesn't mean just the little baby was given. And Isn't he cute? Isn't that a sweet manger scene? No, he grew up and he was born to die. Do you know Jesus is the only human that was born to die? That was his main purpose, was to pay the penalty for the mess that began when our four parents disobeyed God because the serpent said, if you eat of this tree, you'll actually become like God. You won't die. I know God said you'll die. He he says stuff like that because he doesn't want you to become like him. You'll know everything. You just eat that tree. This will really satisfy, I promise. But they ate and died. Now they didn't die physically first. They died in being separated from God and wanting to hide from God because they were afraid now. They were filled with fear and anxiety because not being in relationship with God, there's all kinds of fears and there's no solution except medication. And that only makes things worse in the long run. But with Jesus, that's the cure. But it cost Jesus everything. And it cost the Father, his dear son. And you know, there's another crazy verse in Isaiah 53. There's tons of amazing verses there. But in Isaiah 53.10, listen to this, you guys. Listen to this. It pleased the Lord, the Father, to crush Jesus. It pleased the Father. If he would bear my sin and substitute for my judgment, he would bear it all and justify Wayne and justify these people that were rebelling from him in northern Galilee and justify any person that turns to him in faith and says, I believe in you. You are the one. Now, God did that because he loves you. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. That's what it's talking about. He so loved the world. Now, I mean, this is my third time speaking uh, here at this church, which is really fun because you guys are really alive and receptive, but I kind of like you guys, but I have three sons. And four grandsons. I have a daughter. And seven granddaughters. I like you guys, but not that much. You know? I wouldn't give one of them for you. Why? Because I don't love as much as God does. And I don't think he wants me to. And none of my kids can be the Messiah. But God gave the unique Son of God, His Son, to take our place do we understand that? He bore the gloom. You talk about gloom. He, he cried. He sweat great drops of blood when he was praying, Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me, but not my will. Yours be done. And he drank that cup to the last drop. The cup of judgment, the cup of dying for us, bearing God's wrath. And what's the result? Joy. Joy. I mean, I'm sad that he had to do that, but woohoo! 
You know, really. He was the only one who could do it. And he knew that. Joy. Look at verse 1 and verse 3. I love this. Nevertheless, the gloom will not. (laughs) This is so good. I love it. When God says things, they do happen. Nevertheless, the gloom will not be upon her who is distressed. Anyone distressed here? No more gloom. The Lord can change that. No more gloom. Put him in the center. King of over your heart. The government on his shoulders. No more gloom. I'm a little gloomy about some of the governors. In fact, most of them. And the president. Plural. I'm, I'm gloomy. But guess what? He's in charge. I'm, I'm good. I'm good with that. I love that. But what this has to do, it has to do with who's king and who's governor over your heart, your mind, your life, my life. Who is it? Who is it? Do you say you have enough power to, to, to handle every single solitary thing and, and you're, you're going to be the governor over your own? Or are you going to turn it over to the prince of peace? Now that word prince means ruler of peace. He wants to rule your heart. That's why it says in Philippians, it says, be anxious. Anybody have anxieties, fears? Is the new variant uh, scary? It is, maybe. I get the sense that it should be scary anyway. But guess what? The government is on his shoulders. You know, I'm super sad for people who've lost loved ones and and are, are sick. I've had COVID. Been sick. All that. I'm going to die one day. And the next second I'm going to be looking into the eyes of Jesus. And he's going to usher me into paradise and say, say well done. I hope. <laughs> That's what I'm, I'm working on. Not working on. But I'm trying to trust. And do what he wants me to do. Well done. Okay. I'm, I'm living for those words. You guys. I plead with you. Put Jesus on the throne of your heart. Do what he says. Follow his word. He's not trying to spoil your fun. He's trying to bless you. He's trying to bless me. Because he cares about me. The victor defeated death. He deserves to be enthroned on your heart. How do you enthrone Jesus on your heart? Well, Psalm 22, if you can believe this. Verse 3 says, we enthrone the Lord on our hearts through our praises. He inhabits our praises and they enthrone him over our lives. So don't let it just be at church. Be humming those songs at, the, at, at your job or at your school. Be humming that song. That's why we learn them, you know, so we can sing them or hum them. If you sing them too loud, people might not like it. I don't know. But so you have to use discretion, you know. But what I'm saying is let him rule. He's the victor. He conquered death. Isn't that what you want? Someone who could defeat your worst enemy? This is the last enemy. Death. He defeated it. That's why he gives the gift of eternal life to all those who will receive it. What is eternal life? Why is it so much fun? Why is it a joy? This is eternal life. To know God. To know God. 
Like if your friend says, oh yeah, I met, and they say some famous person, you can say, well, I know God. I know Jesus. Really? I have a relationship. You say, but I can't see him. But your eyes of faith can sense and believe and see and experience him. I'm telling you, it's real. It's very real. And he loves you. He wants a deep relationship. He's calling you into this relationship, not only of governor, but as we sang, as your husband. He loves us so much. But Jesus told his disciples, the one who sins becomes the slave of sin. And the slave doesn't remain as part of the house. If that becomes your whole lifestyle, I mean, it's a bummer. But whom the son sets free is free indeed. Joy for gloom. I've been freed from, from some sins. I'm super thankful. Was your sin fun? Only for a second and then gloom. Gloom for a long time. Aren't you tired of it? Jesus can change it. He loves us, you guys. You say, I'm, I'm, I, I sin too much. No. No. These Gentile pagans, these even Jewish compromising people following these ways, he loves them. He sent Jesus special to them that they might be free from gloom and they might know he whose name is Wonderful Counselor. Okay, let's just look at those for a minute. We're almost done. Wonderful is not an adjective describing counselor in the Hebrew. It's the word pele. It's it's a noun that means full of wonders. It's not wonderful counselor, yeah, like he's really he's got his degree in psychology. No, he's he's full of wonders. He can change your life. He'll do miracles. I need miracles to survive. Because I do stupid things sometimes. And he's rescued me. Anybody else like that? It's it's not good. (laughs) I think of a lot of funny things, but I'm not going to say them. But I just am so thankful. He's full of wonders. And he's a good counselor. His word is truth. And his word of truth is what sanctifies your life. It, it purifies your heart. Like I noticed some, some people already have been quoting verses and scriptures. And um, I think it's super great because it gets in your mind and, and it takes over your life. I love it. I memorized the whole book of Ephesians one time. And a Bible college asked me if I would come and speak. And so I just came and quoted Ephesians, the entire book. And they were like, we've never heard a message like this. You know why? The Bible is way stronger than if I comment on it. It's way better. It's just like, woo. Now I'm just thinking about, today I think I'll preach the Sermon on the Mount. Not commenting on it, just giving it. But because we are weak, I can tell you some of the things that have been that I've messed up in. You know, I was a slave to impatience. It came out towards my family. I was a slave towards anger. In fact, I was an angry young man. Even when I got married, my dad was a raging alcoholic. 
And I'm not blaming him, but there were certain lacking things in my life. I didn't know a stable life. My mom was a wonderful Christian. She helped me know Jesus. Woohoo! That saved me. I mean, that, I'm thank, I thank God for that. My grandmas were praying for me. My grandpas, grandpas were being raging alcoholics. What in the heck is with that? Guys, guys, serve the Lord. It's fun. You know, people, they comment on our, our posts on Facebook and different places where Kathy has posts and, and I do. And we put up pictures and we say what the Lord's been doing in our family. And they think, wow, you guys, you just, how do you get such a great family? It's, it's all Jesus. Every bit of it. All our kids have gone astray here and there. And some badly, but he's brought them all back. Now they're all in full-time ministry, pretty much. And we're shocked. I'm shocked that I'm in ministry. But God, he takes people that are examples of what he can do. And he does it and then passes the word on through the people that he's done it with. El Gabor, he's God of power is what that means. Or God, the omnipotent champion. I love that. You know, Jesus is not only loving and gentle and peaceful. He's omnipotent. He's omnipresent. And he's omniscient or knowledge. He's all knowledge. But that word science means knowledge, right? It's being used rather loosely these days. But you'll never be deceived by Jesus. You'll never be sent on a a thing in order for whoever it is to make money. He just doesn't do that. He just wants to bring you the truth. Sometimes it's the hard truth. I've had to repent a lot. I would say if you're not repenting a certain amount, you're not growing. Repent. That's not a bad word. It's like change your mind. That's what it means. Metanoia. Change your mind. And it's good. It's good to change your mind. My wife is so thankful when I change my mind. And it's helpful to her. And she's also one. Now, Jesus Christ as you can see in closing, is the only real superhero who can chase away the gloom, no matter what it is. All others are fake. They may be politicians. They're not superheroes. And if you think you're, they are, like if you think, and I'm, I'm an independent, I'm a total independent. If you think as a Democrat, we have a superhero in the White House, you need prayer. If you are a Republican and you think we had a white uh, a superhero in the White House since night or what is it 2016 <laughs> are we in the 1900 okay 2016 to whatever 20 that was a superhero no there's no superheroes George Washington I mean great man had a lot of faults everyone does Captain America he's not real He's not real, right? Wonder Woman, she is amazing, but she's not real. Superman, same thing. It's all a bunch of mythology, just like these false gods, all false gods, all the things that we're serving that are not Jesus, 
if we're going after them like they are the, the fulfillment of our lives, you're serving a fake God. But when you serve the real God and when you trust him for your personal forgiveness and restoration to the true God, that is the most real thing that you will be able to enjoy forever. And it only always gets better if you keep going towards him. Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much. Thank you for these dear people and thank you for your love for people. We see it throughout the Bible. As we look at every prophecy of Messiah in the Old Testament, it shows how you sent him to be the answer, the answer for everything that ails us. Jesus, we praise you. Jesus, just draw people to you. Draw believers to you. To a deeper surrender and entrusting of our lives. And people that aren't fully given to you. Help them now to entrust their souls to you. To receive you as governor and king over their heart. There to help bring every thought captive to you and to what is right and good. Please, Lord, I thank you for these people and give them the courage to surrender fully to you. While our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed and you're here and and you would say, I don't know Jesus in a close relationship like you've described, but I want to entrust my life to him. Would you pray for me while our heads are bowed and our eyes are closed? If you would like prayer like that, raise your hand, would you? Just raise up your hand right now. and Say, pray with me about that. Anyone? Say, I can't see very well, but yeah. Okay. Yes, I see you in the back. Any others? Hold it up for a second, would you? So I can see and we can pray together. This is so important that you respond if you feel tugged in your heart. To do it now. Yes, amen. Anyone else? You want to do it now. You want to say, I want to entrust my life to him and believe in him, not other things or other gods. Anyone else over on this side? Your left, my right? Anybody? Unashamedly? Yeah, I want to give, give myself over to him. Anybody? Anybody else? Amen. Let's pray then. Just in your heart. In fact, all of us together, even believers fully given over, Pray with me, would you? And just join us if you know you need that. Just say this prayer from your heart. Say, dear Jesus, thank you for dying on the cross for me. Thank you that you rose from the grave, that you conquered death. Lord, forgive me of my wayward ways. Lord, may your blood wash my heart clean. Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit this morning. Empower me to follow you, to let you govern my life and the inner self. Thank you, Lord, for hearing my prayer. And I receive from you. Thank you, God. The, the worship band's coming up. Let's, let's sing this last song after Pastor Chris, or as he's talking with you as well. Um, in worship, 
I believe he just wants to fill you afresh and anew, even if it's only a closing song, just that he would fill you right where you're seated or standing. Let's all stand, in fact. Yeah, and he'll just empower and overflow you anew. I wanted to let you know that um, I brought some some books that I wrote, which is um, Tidings of Great Joy. It's a Christmas devotional, and it goes from 1st December all the way. In fact, you could start now. We've got an extra two or three at the end there. You know. So many, so many Christmas messages that I just stuck them all in there. But it's a short, it's a very small book. Tidings of Great Joy. And they're in the back there if you'd like one, all right? Thank you, Wayne. You know, as Wayne was um, going through that awesome, I agree, tremendous chapter of Scripture, you know, I was just thinking as we kind of close here and have our response time, that description of Jesus tells us what he came to be or basically what it looks like to be under the government of of Jesus. You know, I mean, obviously there's a lot of problems with the governments of the world and that's a given because we weren't ever intended to govern ourselves. That was something people chose to do despite God warning them it's not going to end well if you do that because he's supposed to be our Lord and Savior. He's He's our King, right? And so no matter what government you have, if it's run by people, it's going to have problems. And we look forward to the day when Jesus is going to come and rule and reign on this earth and establish his government. But for those of us that have placed our faith in him, we live in that government now, or we should be living in that government. We're learning to live in the government of Jesus. And when we do, these things that he came to be, these are the things we experience in our life. We experience him being a wonderful counselor. How many of you guys feel often in your life that you need counsel, you need direction, you just don't know what to do, you just don't know what to believe? Well, we have that in Jesus. And let me tell you something, he never makes a wrong decision. He came, and as it says there in John, in truth, because everything he says is truth, in grace. And he came to personally for you be the wonderful counselor that you need every day of your life. He came to be a mighty God. How many guys feel like you have it all together and you can handle everything this life throws at you every day of your life? I feel weak. I'm not ashamed to admit it. I am weak as a father. I am weak as a husband. I am weak as a pastor. I feel weak way more than I feel strong. And Jesus knew that. And so he came to be the strength and mightiness in your life that you could never be. So you didn't have to be. He came to be an everlasting father. Some of you guys have good earthly fathers. And chances are it's because they're trying to model themselves after the ultimate father. And that's our father in heaven. Some of us didn't have fathers. But one way or another, we need an eternal father, a perfect father. And that's who we have in Jesus. And last, he came to be a prince of peace. The more you allow Jesus to rule your life, the more you will experience a peace that isn't dependent on how things are going in this world, whether things are going the way you want or not. But ultimately, 
knowing that you're a part of his kingdom and that he loves you. He's more than demonstrated that in dying for you, that he's in control of everything in your life and he is working it all for the perfect good plan he has for you. You will have peace. These are things that I think you would agree. We want to live in these truths of who we are as a part of his government. We don't want to just say we believe them. We want to live in them. And we're constantly learning to do that. And so this is an opportunity as we sing this last song for you just to, in a sense, do some business with God and see where you're at in these things. Are you looking to him to be that wonderful counselor? Are you trying to figure thing out, everything out on your own? Are you trying to do things in your own strength? Or are you looking to God to empower you with the spirit to be the, the strength that you never can? Are you looking for him to bring you peace? Are you trusting in him and his plan and his word for your life? Are you looking for him to be the father that he wants to be and not trying to be your own father? Just like I want my kids to go to me to take care of them. That's the benefit we have of having God in a relationship with him through faith in his son. We have him as our father to go to with anything and everything. And you can do that right now right where you're at and I'd encourage you to just respond is the Holy Spirit's just even now probably prompting some of you in some of these things man that's I'm not experiencing that and I believe in Jesus maybe you're somebody that just as Wayne gave this invitation you came here not knowing the God of the universe not knowing your creator but today you've made that decision no I need Jesus I believe in him I believe in the sacrifice he made for me and you're going to leave here living as a part of his kingdom and experiencing these things that he intends for you. We'll have our prayer team up around the walls, all around the room. If you need prayer, and I encourage you to, come up and get prayer. We will pray with you. We will pray and lead you in a prayer if you want to receive Jesus as your Lord and Savior. If you don't even know, know what to pray, just come and get prayer, and we will pray with you. But let's spend these last moments just responding to what the Lord is, is ministering to us. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord God, thank you so much for just the reminder of what you came to do, Lord, of what you did in sending your son. You, you, your son was born into this world, as Wayne pointed out, to die for us so that we could live and live life abundantly, as you said, Jesus. And this is what it looks like to never have to be lost, to never have to wonder because we have you who knows all things to lead us, to be our wonderful counselor, to never have our weakness limit us ever again because we have you to rely on for a strength that can never be un, never be matched or never be, there's nothing too big for you to handle. And there's nothing too small that you don't care about it. You want to be involved in all of it, Lord, to have you as a perfect father for all eternity to be there to love us and comfort us and lead us and take care of us. That we have you to be our prince, our ruler of our lives. A life that is tended to be filled with peace. So much unrest, so much despair and anxiousness and anxiety in the world without you. We see it all around us, but with you we have peace. Because we have been given outcomes that we know are good. We don't know all the details, but we know between now and then you will be nothing but good in seeing us into 
that good and perfect plan you have for each of us. So Lord, we thank you and praise you for what you've done, what you're doing and what you're going to do and who you are to us. And we want you to be these things. Forgive us when we still try to live in that old life that you've saved us out of, Lord. That we try to make these false gods out of things that will never satisfy us like you you do. When we try to be Lord of our own lives, Lord, we've tried that. It doesn't work. We want to surrender our lives completely over to you so that you can be what you came to be for us. Meet each of your people right now wherever they're at, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen.